Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. He was not seeking through his agent to be traded, uh, and the Steelers weren't actively shopping him at all. This is Saverin on Steelers. Hello to all in Steelers Nation. Welcome to the Saverin on Steelers podcast. Glad you found us. If you enjoy the content, all Steelers all the time, please tell your friends, neighbors, relatives, the neighborhood dog, whatever, that we're here. We're up twice per week at Steelers.com. Glad to have you along for the ride. Uh, The big news this week, of course, involving the Steelers concerns the trade of Chase Claypool to the Chicago Bears for a second-round pick. Let's start there. Uh, I am convinced that the Bears, who apparently initiated the conversation the day of the trade deadline, which was this past Tuesday, um, that the Steelers were willing to entertain offers but weren't necessarily shopping Clay Claypool around. There had been some talk that teams were interested, but obviously when the Bears called, the Steelers' management, Omar Khan, Andy Weil, said, yeah, we'll hear what you have to say. Uh, I fully believe that the Steelers don't make that deal if the Bears were offering a two, but offering the two that they got from Baltimore in the Roquan Smith deal. I mean, obviously, the Ravens are going to have a good record, and they're going to draft somewhere in the 20s, if not higher than that, or should I say lower than that? Uh, I I'm, I'm just have this belief, and I believe that they were going to trade Kate Claypool. The trade, uh, trade had to be to their specifications that they wanted it to be the Bears pick, their initial pick, because right now the Bears are 3-5, and five, a somewhat difficult schedule. I mean, they have games against the Packers, and they have games uh, against the Bills and the Ravens. Um, it's, it's not going to be an easy ride for them. So, anticipating that the Bears will not have a good record when all is said and done, that's why they agreed to make the deal. I think the most important thing to monitor here in evaluating this trade is the reason behind it. I have to believe that the most important thing, and this hasn't always been the case, the most important thing is that this new Steeler management crew meaning Omar Khan, meaning Andy Weidel, the assistant general manager, have finally come to the realization of who they are and what they are. What they are is a below 500 team, perhaps, perhaps headed for their worst record in a number of seasons, and that a rebuild is necessary, that Not a a change here, a minor change there is going to make any difference. 
they need a significant rebuild. I didn't say total. There are certainly some valued pieces on this team as it is right now. But that they recognize their position. And I don't think that's always been the case. The mantra's always been, well, we're Super Bowl contenders every year. We regard ourselves as such because for large portions of the last 40 or so years, that's been the case. Well, as I've been saying for quite some time, it is no longer the case. Hanging around the middle of the pack and being 9-7-1, and one, barely making the playoffs and getting whacked in the first round is not where you need to be. If your ultimate goal is to get all the way to the Super Bowl, this is not the acceptable way to do it. And that doesn't mean they're going to get rid of every player, every coach. But I think it served as a reminder and maybe a reawakening of who they are, what they are, and why they are where they are. Maybe it was Omar Khan who may have had that feeling before but really couldn't do anything about it. He wasn't the general manager. His input was accepted from Kevin Colbert. But he didn't have the authority to make those kinds of moves on his own. Maybe the credit goes to Andy Weidel, the assistant general manager, a Pittsburgh native, and a guy who was largely responsible for building this current Philadelphia Eagles team into the only undefeated team in the NFL. And maybe it wasn't such a matter of talent. I mean, clearly. The Eagles have talent, and he helped restock that group. And it's not all that long ago they won the Super Bowl, so it's a quick turnaround for them. But maybe he also recognized the character of the players who are given the responsibility of playing winning football. Maybe it's possible that Andy Weidel, now as assistant GM and in charge of the draft, said, we've got too many guys who are only concerned about themselves and concerned more about the I, and there is no I in team. Maybe that's Omar Khan's decision as well. I wouldn't necessarily go as far as to say that Chase Claypool's behavior was disruptive to a large degree. He did do some disruptive things, like suggesting let's have music at practice. What? The first down signal as the clock was running in Minnesota. Maybe even coming out and saying a couple of weeks ago, we need to throw the ball deep more. But that's not something that everybody wasn't saying. I think it's what Chase Claypool said after his rookie season, which by and large was successful and gave the Steelers great hope. Where he said, I'm concerned about my brand. And I believe in what Juju Smith-Schuster's doing. More worried about his brand than production on the field. Maybe that's what triggered it all. Maybe there's too much of that going on. Maybe it exists everywhere else. But it sure seemed like Chase Claypool learned that from Juju Smith-Schuster 
and Juju Smith-Schuster learned at the foot of the master, Antonio Brown. So, even though removed one generational player, A.B. continues to haunt the Steelers. I, I, I do think that was a factor. That Claypool might make a play or two, but when it came down to putting team above self, he wasn't in that mode. And maybe that's one of the reasons that this Steeler team is 2-6. and six. There's too much of that going on. As for the return itself, I don't think you can ask much more than that. It's likely going to be a high number two. The Bears currently are three and five. They've got a difficult schedule. And by all accounts, and especially where the Steelers are headed, at an even worse record of two and six, they should get, with this second-round pick, three selections in the top 50 in the draft. Now, before you can say it, I'm with you. It depends on what they do with those picks. They cannot afford misses. And I'm not asking for Hall of Fame members. But I do think when a guy is drafted with a top 50 designation, that expecting Pro Bowl-style play is not out of the ordinary. And an exception to that would be the first-round pick, which is likely to be top 10 or top 5, the way things are going, that guy better be a pro bowler. Not just a serviceable piece. Get that in the third round. They need difference makers. And we'll see what Andy Weidel and a new crew of scouts comes up with. But at least now they have the arsenal to address all that. As far as the acquisition of William Jackson III, this has Mike Tomlin's uh, handprints all over it because the Steelers loved him when he was coming out. In fact, they were drafting 25th that year. They were prepared to take William Jackson. But the Bengals, with the 24th pick, one ahead, stepped in and took him. I know the Steelers were really disappointed. They, and Tomlin in particular, really wanted William Jackson III. Well, six years later, six years removed, they get their chance. Well, the draft capital they gave up was nothing. First of all, we're talking about draft picks in 2025. 20, we're talking about it in a conditional sixth as opposed to a conditional seventh. It mean, it's meaningless. The only negative in getting William Jackson is that he's 30 and that he's got a fairly substantial salary, a cap hit of around $12 million, although we don't know if the commanders are picking up any of that. But if they have to pay the full boat next year, and remember we're halfway through the season, so it's prorated now with half the season gone, $12 million is not an exorbitant fee to play a number one cornerback if he plays like that. If he plays like that. And the Steelers' corners have been a disaster. Maybe that's too strong a word, but after that performance against the Eagles, against the Bills, even against the Dolphins, the interceptions they had in their hands and dropped them, 
It's Tomlin saying, you guys aren't good enough. And guess what? They're not. So if you can insert a starting cornerback, even with the price, you gave up nothing in the draft for it. Why not? If you can add a guy like that, why not? Given the way they are. So, I think it was a good day at the trading deadline for the Steelers. Something they don't often do. They don't often get involved in draft uh, deals at the deadline day. But William Jackson III will make him better now, if indeed that's a serious concern. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. we got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs... Yeah, like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that saying? with everyone you meet? Some people try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So, what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. And in the future, depending on what they do with that second round pick. Right now, I'd say it's a win. Yes, Claypool had one year remaining on his contract next year, but they were never going to pay him. They already paid Deontay Johnson, and they'll have to think about George Pickens in the near future too. So the money for wide receivers was going to those two. They would not have gone to chase Claypool. So it's unlikely he would have stayed here anyway. And he's going to a friendly place because Chicago – is a huge Notre Dame bastion. And at least until he drops a pass or says something stupid, they'll love him in Chicago. As for how the Steelers handle the rest of the bye week, Mike Tomlin said that while he's not ruling out a significant change in the bye, he's not considering coaching or coordinator change, which means Matt Canada is your offensive coordinator, at least for the rest of this year. That may make you unhappy. They did make one change that Mike Sullivan, the quarterback's coach, will now be in charge of all challenges. Mike Tomlin's record on those things is not very good, so maybe that's a change they need. But really, the issue of the day, the week, really, was the trade of Claypool what they got for him, and what they long-term are trying to accomplish. Are they finally at a point where they can admit we're in a rebuild? Jerry Dulac covers the Steelers for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette and for the Steelers Radio Network. He joins us now, and 
Jerry, just overall, in general, your reaction to the trading of Chase Claypool? Well, I will tell you this, Dan. The Steelers were not looking to trade Chase Claypool. Uh, and I was told all along that he was not seeking through his agent to be traded. Uh, and the Steelers weren't actively shopping him at all. In fact, up until Tuesday morning, nobody had even inquired about him. Um, but the Bears did. And, and what I was told all along is that um, if somebody came with a great offer, they would consider it. And the Bears did. I mean, in fact, to the point stand that I don't understand why the Bears would make that move. They're a three and five team. I could see if the Cincinnati Bengals, who lost Jamar Chase, and, you know, let's face it, they're a Super Bowl team from last year. Uh, I could understand if they want to go get a wide receiver or if some team that's in contention, uh, you know, and, and feels that they need an extra piece, uh, you know, to kind of help put them over the top, if you will. I get them giving up a number two pick for Chase Claypool, who was a second-round pick. But to me, the Bears can get, a, can get a receiver in the second round of the draft who is as good, if not better, than Chase Claypool. They're a three-and-five team. I don't understand why they would make that deal beyond the fact they want to give Justin Fields a, a, a bigger target. But beyond that, it doesn't make any sense. And to the Steelers, that was a no-brainer. That was, it. that was if somebody's coming with a really good deal, we'll consider it and do it, and, and they did. I will say this as well, and, and do not forget, Mike Tomlin signs off or has a great deal to do with every move that is made. And, and while I the Steelers and Omar Khan for trading a starting player midseason, Dan, you could go back a long way, and you can't come up with somebody that they traded midseason, um, who's a who's a regular player, a star, you know, star player, if you will, starting player. And to do that, that's that's uh, something they, you know, that's a rarity for them. And I applaud them for pulling the trigger on it and doing it. It's only the second time they've made a midseason trade ever, ever, as in ever. How much of it, even if Tomlin signs off? And Art Rooney signs off, or whomever. How much? Absolutely. You, how much do you think um, his disruptive nature had to do with all this? And the second part I, of the question. Oh, go ahead, Jerry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, Stan. Go ahead. Finish that second part. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm I, 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 I'm just wondering if in their conversation the Bears have said, "Well, we'll give you the second round pick we got from Baltimore, um, which is going to be a much lower pick." Um, do you have any information that they steadfastly said, we'll make the deal, but it's got to be your second rounder because that's going to be most likely a top 10 or 12 pick? Yeah, Stan, I, I don't know that for sure, but I'm, uh, I've am i not been told that or I haven't had a chance to find out if, in fact, that discussion occurred. But I'm sure um, that was part of it um, and, and that, you know, that they would want the Bears pick. Um, I do not know that Chase Claypool is a disruptive influence in a locker room. I'm not aware of that. Uh, but I will tell you that, uh, you know, and we've seen this over the last couple of years, Chase Claypool's worried about Chase Claypool. Chase Claypool's worried about his brand. He said that himself. That's, his, that's the number one thing he said he learned yep. from Juju Smith-Schuster, which is astonishing. And the Steelers are aware of that. And so, I, but again, 
in terms of being disruptive in the locker room, he's probably hey, he's probably no different than um, than a whole bunch of other guys in that locker room or in any professional locker room. The way the game is now with today's athlete, um, so and and being a wide receiver, look, every, there isn't a wide receiver out there who doesn't want the ball and is going to complain that they're not getting the ball enough if they aren't getting it. But, I, yeah, I just don't know. I, 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 to call him a disruptive force in the locker room, I've seen no evidence of that. Okay. Uh, I, I think you probably hit the nail on the head. Um, I remember when he said that after his rookie year, and that was a big red flag to me. And he may have learned it from right. Juju, but guess where Juju learned it from? Um, and right. so the A-B trickle-down effect um, is definitely <laughs> right. in play. At the, feet, at the feet of the master. That's right. <laughs> that's, that's right. Um, uh, it also intrigues me, and we don't know about the inner workings. Um, I'm wondering if Andy, I mean, Omar Khan certainly understood that there were you know these type of issues, but he was not necessarily in a position to do anything about it until now. But I'm also wondering with Andy Weidel coming here and looking at, you know, from fresh perspective, uh, looking at, you know, some of the issues that this team has and saying this is not the culture that we need to, you know, get get things righted here. And this is the first step of a rebuild. You know, with all due respect to Andy, who I'm a big fan of, and as you know from the get-go, Stan, going back to last year, I said he was the number one candidate to come in for that job. Uh, of course, they've structured it the way they structured it. But Andy doesn't have the, 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 the say-so in terms of implementing a trade. Andy's job is to identify uh, the talent, particularly collegiate talent, but that doesn't mean not professional talent because he oversees that too. So he's the one who would make recommendations about a player or a player's ability uh, or might have some info about a player for a potential trade. But ultimately, that, that comes down to three people. It comes down to Omar Khan. It comes down to Mike Tomlin. And, of course, it comes down to Art Rooney, who signs off on every deal. So the other two can want, think what they want. If Art Rooney doesn't sign off on it, um, then it's no deal. But Art Rooney is smart enough to know Mike Tomlin coaches the football team. It's his team. And if he feels he has to make moves to improve his team, 99.9% of the time, Art Rooney's going to be on board with it unless there's a huge red flag with the player. You know, there's some personal issues, things like that. He lets Mike Tomlin make all decisions about his football personnel. It would seem contradictory that they went out and got William Jackson III. I don't think that. Uh, I think they got a guy, you know, whatever they end up having to pay him, that's not an exorbitant price um, if he's your number one cornerback, which, frankly, he's likely to be. Um, and you know, the return was, you know, virtually nothing. It was a washout, nothing like that. But, um, it seems like they're looking at the future and yet you bring in a 30 year old cornerback who can still play. Um, does that appear contradictory to you or what do you think the rationale was uh, in acquiring William Jackson, aside from the fact that they loved him and were going to take him in 2016? Well, Stan, I could tell you what the rationale was and, um, uh, the, uh, the rationale was, that um, there were there have been five touchdown passes that they've allowed in which they were able to make plays and didn't, and three of those occurred in Philly, the other Buffalo, and the other one was against New England. There were four interceptions in Miami where they got their hands on the ball. They didn't touch them. They got their hands on the ball clean, 
and didn't make the interception. That's nine plays that they didn't make. And Mike Tomlin is not going to sit there and let that go unchallenged or unnoticed. He had to make a move to let those other guys know, look, we're not going to accept that and we're not going to tolerate that. So I don't care if he brought me or you in to play cornerback. He was making a move to send a message that we're not going to tolerate guys who don't make plays. As far as William Jackson coming in and being the starter, um, look, to to quote uh, Tom Donahoe, they're not bringing him in to lead the band at halftime. He will play as soon as he can, but that's the reason why they brought him in. They like the way the guy runs. Um, You know, obviously there's another – there's a number, another number one pick pedigree that Mike Tomlin We lose Jerry. Well, maybe we can try him again. Uh, he's uh, on the road, obviously, so he lost a connection. Um, again, you can balance talking about projecting for the future. Uh, and clearly the trade of Chase Claypool is exactly that because you're going to get a high second-round pick. Um, now, again, there's always the caveat. What do you do with it? And we'll see who they draft with it. So, But at least now you have the wherewithal to, to make some moves. As far as Jackson is concerned, um, again, you know, this season, um, basically, I don't want to call it meaningless, but in terms of competitive action, um, it is. They're not going anywhere. Uh, you'd like to see the team get better. Um, but, you know, there's also next year to consider. Uh, he's not ancient. He can still play for another year or two, depending on his level of play. Jerry, we got you back there? Yes, Dan, I'm sorry. I'm not exactly sure how much at, the, at that discussion you heard uh, as to why they brought in William Jackson. But I said, you know, to quote Tom, Tom Donahoe, they're not bringing him in to lead the band at halftime. Right. He will play, but it's it's a message that Mike Tomlin is cornerbacks that we in the secondary, but the cornerbacks in this case, we're not going to tolerate a lack of playmaking. And that that was a message he is sending. He had to do something, and he did it, and that was the reason why. Yeah. The uh, again, the return is uh, is virtually nothing. Um, do you have any information on to how much, if at all? The commanders will pick up on that salary. Well, you know, Stan, uh, all the signing bonus is the is the responsibility of Washington. You know that it gets prorated; it it becomes dead money for them that they w- then will have on their salary cap uh, by next year. Um, the Steelers would just have to pick up, um, you know, basically whatever he is owed for the second half of the season. Um, but any of that salary cap money, um, that's all, excuse me, uh, signing bonus. Uh, uh, if I said salary cap, I apologize. Any of that signing bonus is the responsibility. And I, what was that number, $15 million or $12 million or whatever? About, about 12 that's, Yeah, Washington is responsible for that. The Steelers don't have anything to do with that. That goes to their salary cap, and that becomes dead money. And, and lastly, Jerry, uh, looking at it as an observer and one who's very close to the situation, um, it just seems like the Claypool trade had more than just a football transaction. Um, the cascading ramifications of a team that may finally realize that there are ways away. Um, otherwise, you wouldn't trade an asset like Claypool for a future pick. 
Now, again, it's all going to be determined on what they do with that pick and who they draft. Obviously, they cannot afford to a miss. They're going to have three picks in the top 50. But do you regard this as more than just a single transaction and maybe transitional in nature? You know, Stan, I, I wouldn't be naive enough to think that that isn't the case um, because they weren't looking to trade Chase Claypool because why would they get rid of another receiver when they lost three in the offseason and Calvin Austin's already on IR? And now if Calvin Austin were healthy, had been playing, and showed a lot, then I'd sit there and say, okay. But I do get why they were willing to part with Chase Claypool because they've already paid Deontay Johnson and George Pickens is going to be you know, their, their star of the future. At least that certainly looks to be the case. So Chase Claypool was never going to get a second contract uh, with this team, and he would have been a free agent at the end of 2023. So I get why it's Chase Claypool, but I think there, there is an eye to the future. That if, you can, if, if Chicago offered a four or a five, they would have not made this deal. But the fact that they offered a two, which, as I said, still blows my mind, um, they thought, you know what, we can go get a receiver or something, uh, you know, uh, that will be a quality player. And and I, I definitely think, you know, you start looking at offensive and defensive linemen as the way to rebuild this team. Um, if you can get another second-round pick, um, I you know, let's face it, Stan, they're two and six. They're not stupid. You know, they're not going to make a run and go, can't go 12 and four. Uh, you know, 13 and four or anything like that. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't think there's any question. There's an eye to the future, but you know, Mike Tomlin, Stan, he is trying to win football games and maybe chase getting rid of chase Claypool doesn't help. You could certainly make that case adding William Jackson. I don't think is going to make a difference, but um, yeah, so I think there's a little bit of both in play here. Thanks again to Jerry Dulac for being our guest on the Savernon Steelers podcast. You can read him in the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, and you can hear him on the Steelers pregame show, which begins two hours before every game, by week this week, obviously, but on the air at 11 a.m. That'll be Eastern Standard Time by the time that rolls around on November the 11th. Or is that the 12th? You know when it is. It's that weekend, <laughs> whatever. Uh, don't forget the... Um, Steelers post-game show, Charlie Batch and I conduct that about 20 minutes after the game ends. Hope you'll join us there. Hope you join me for my weekday talk show on ESPN Pittsburgh, AM 970. You can get it by just downloading the iHeartMedia app, and we're there every day for you, or listen to it live at 970 AM. Once again, sincere thanks for taking time to listen to the Savern on Steelers podcast. Thanks for finding us and for passing the word along. I appreciate it. We'll talk again next time on the Savernon Steelers podcast. Thanks for listening. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? 
a wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves so we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.